course, all of us educators and parents want to, we have a duty to teach children the ways of kindness and thoughtfulness. In this conversation, though, Wendy Zucuto deepens and expands the boundaries of what even our youngest students need and deserve to be exposed to in this world that we live in, which is so much in need of more kindness, more justice, more equity, more fairness, more compassion, more big picture awareness of the blind spots that we are often surprised to discover that we have that you and I have, and we are unknowingly passing along to the kiddos in our care. Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nene White, and I love that you and I will be sharing this important conversation and these ideas. If you have thoughts about this or other relevant topics related to young children's social emotional learning and life skills development, please like this podcast's Facebook page because we are starting to build a community of like-minded educators here, there. Oh, and uh, this episode, it really deserves all of your attention. So if you're able to set aside any distractions while listening, I think you'll be glad you did. So this is a happy conversation for me to have because it will be very interesting and meaningful. Today... I get to have a conversation with Wendy Zacuto. Uh, this is not Wendy's first time on this podcast, and it will not be the last. Welcome, Wendy. Oh, thanks, Nene. Oh, it's always nice to talk to you. It, always, yes. <laughs> so lately, you've uh, been really, not that it's a new thing for you, but it seems to be really high in your attention these days, this whole concept of... Uh, you know, the fairness and the justice that we're not seeing in society these days. And um, educators in early childhood environments seem to be prioritizing kindness and for, for many reasons, which include, of course, the children's day-to-day well-being of their interactions, and then for their long-term development as kind individuals. And, of course, let's not forget that it helps maintain the sanity of the adults that are around those kids. <laughs> but in your earliest years as an educator, I know in conversations with you and also in your writings that I've enjoyed reading, kindness shined a, shined a bright guiding light on how you structured your days with your students. But over the years, your vision and your insights deepened and widened. So I want you to share with us how your decades of experience and the world we live in, have ma- in the world we live in, have matured your values and your teaching priorities. Um, well, you, you stated it very well that um, kindness has always been a central theme for me as a teacher. Um, yeah. Probably the, the most important thing I learned, I learned early, early on, which we're finding is the foundation of all learning, which is re- building relationships with children, mm-hmm. real relationships. Right. And so I, I guess I always sort of thought when I first started teaching that that would be enough, that just being a kind human, modeling that kind of behavior, 
you know, addressing student behavior with an open heart and redirecting children, that that would be enough to help children become the kind of kind people that, that I wanted to cultivate in my classroom. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as I grew in my own understanding of, of human diversity, I realized that there's an intersection between kindness and identity that, that especially as a white educator, and I am a white educator, mm-hmm. um, we're not privy to a lot of the dynamics that are going on in the classroom sometimes, mm-hmm. just as we're not in the world. And so there's two facets to that. The way I see it is there's that on the one hand, if we have a non-diverse classroom, then it is incumbent upon us to prepare children for a world that is way more diverse than they're experiencing in the classroom with us or in a childcare setting or in a home. Mm. Um, and if it is a diverse environment, then we want to make sure that we're being inclusive and addressing everybody's perspective as mm. we, you know, teach, learn, you know, uh, explore, um, and just function, you know, as human beings one-on-one in a classroom. Mm-hmm. It seems like it would be take a bit more courage and creativity and uh, personal boundary breaking if the classroom was basically not diverse and you had to raise those topics. Can you share some ideas about that? Um, you know, I'm not sure that that's true. I mean, I think anytime we step into um, examining our own identity and wanting to um, have a diverse perspective in, a, in your life, it is kind of a, a risk-taking maneuver <laughs> because we're always coming up against the things that we didn't know. Right. And so um, to do this work, we have to have a, you know, a kind of gentle heart towards ourselves and towards other people who mm-hmm. are beginning this work. But, um, you know, as a young educator, I thought that the solution would be to bring in books and, and do a lot of reading with children. And in the, in the later years of my, um, experience as a teacher, I realized that can be a tricky wicket. Um, I remember being in a diversity, uh, education meeting and, someone had shared a bunch of uh, books about black history as an opportunity to bring in another perspective. And and somebody said, why do we always go back to those same historical benchmarks when we're talking about black life? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. we're right here right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We talk Mm -hmm. about things that are going on in in children's lives today and now. So I think also the, the, the um, scope of children's books has changed thankfully, in, in our, um, you know, pile of, of uh, tools that we use to create our environment. So starting with books that aren't, you know, I think back of um, to Ezra Jack Keats, for example, you know, his mm. books were about a, just a child who was living, you know, day to day, and, and his books were very simple. There was nothing political or historical or anything about them, but the main character just happened to be a black boy. And so um, that's the kind of thing, I think, for early childhood that we can invite ourselves to start participating with. Um, I I have a a (laughs) self-revealing, I I may have told the story already to you uh, uh, in a different context, but it's relevant. 
I was setting up a, a parent pot group and I, I knew I wanted to get babies because they're so yummy for kids to play with. <laughs> and I knew that that would be an opportunity for children to experience children of different uh, colors, you know, oh. in the group. And it was a fairly diverse class and I wanted to buy three babies. So I figured I'd have a diversity there. And I walked into the store and there were four different babies that I could choose from. And I just stood there and I thought, okay, um, which ones do I pick? There was a white one, there was a black one, there was an Asian one, and there was one that had dark skin, could have been, you know, maybe Hispanic or something uh-huh. like that, uh-huh. you know. And um, I ended up taking um, three and leaving behind one of the children of color because I figured that most of the children were white and they would want to see themselves reflected also. And um, I jumped in the car. I was driving, and I thought, shoot, (laughs) I'm a racist. (laughs) That was a really racially biased decision that I made. Now, again, go back to my original intentions. Here's a person who's trying to do something good, trying to make it more diverse, trying to think of how it will feel for the children. And so I, I turned my car around, and I went back, and I did not buy the white baby. And I thought, you know, it's so common for other than white children to be excluded from a situation. Yeah. And unless we really are examining things, um, it's not going to be very often that a white child will be excluded from that situation. Right. So it, it, I felt embarrassed. <laughs> I felt ashamed a little bit. But I was really glad that I had that awareness and it, it just kind of lit a lens for me and, and something else came into my, um, my uh, awareness. I, I um, had gone to Hawaii about 35 years ago and I was always looking for multicultural books. I've always been very aware and trying to bring in lots of different cultures in my early childhood teaching and I found a book that was a um, re-representation of the um, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, but from the Hawaiian culture. Huh. And uh, in Hawaii, there are no bears. There are mongooses. Oh. <laughs> and there are um, hales, which is a hut, you know. And so this was a story that was told with the Hawaiian language and with uh, pigeon um, language um, that the mongooses uh spoke you mean pidgin english yes yeah they call it pidgin yeah okay okay and and in hawaii so um flash forward 35 years and i have grandchildren and i pull this book out of a big you know (laughs) pile of books and i went oh look and now we spend a lot of time in hawaii and i picked up the book and i looked at it and i just thought i just started laughing at myself because the main character of the book is a blonde-haired, curly, blue-eyed yeah. Goldilocks. Yeah. And I thought, how did that, how did that elude me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did that elude me? And so um, it just made me realize how important this is. And, and the tricky part with young children is that we don't want to be, it's all very subtle. Yes. We don't want to be... Um, I don't know, help me with a word, you know, like, like 
in their face about uh-huh. these things. They, mm-hmm. It really has to just come up because they have lots of different kinds, colors of people to play with in their, in their um, games and, and their little house making and all kinds of things like that. You know, sometimes we have to be very careful about not providing um, costumes that become parodies of a culture instead of just a, a way to learn about different things. Like, give us an example. Um, well, for example, I was at a school that was a uh, Chinese uh, bilingual class uh, school, Chinese-American bilingual school, and I spent a lot of time in Chinatown, Chinatown so I bought some uh, pajamas for um, my grandchildren for our, uh, their, our house. And later on, I was in a conversation with someone and uh, I began to realize that that might not be an appropriate thing. I'm not really sure. You know, it's like this whole idea of being culturally um, taking over someone else's culture for for play purposes, you know, instead of just respecting. You mean stuffing them into one tiny little box of like a cliche of what they're. Yeah, exactly. Uh Exactly. So, so, you know, again, it's, there's, we, I think it's about being just sort of um, open, you know, and looking for places to bring in a place, uh, ideas to expand your curriculum and your experiences for children. Um, But also the other thing I, I found was really helpful is the Louise German Sparks approach with dolls. Uh So that comes from, um, a long tradition of um, children sit in a circle and then there are these dolls that the teacher can help create a little about each doll. And then the children just get to know these children. So the children get to know these, the dolls, the dolls as representations of. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, way to include more diversity in your room than you actually have uh-huh so for example um we had you know different kinds of families there were some of the characters that had um two parents that were you know different genders there were some that had two dads two moms some lived with their grandmother some had an extended family you know it's just a way to bring in that kind of diversity and you're very low-key with it you just every time you bring the dolls out you say I just want to remind you this is so-and-so and this is their little you know their background where they live, blah, 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 all those kinds of things. And then you use them, you say, are all in a a classroom, and we're going to tell a story about them. And that gives you the flexibility to do whatever you want to do. So, for example, if there was a conflict on the playground, let's say, um, or the sandbox or something, that you wanted to talk about with the children, and you want to help them to become more aware of how we treat each other and what are some kinds of alternative ways of dealing with behaviors. Instead of just talking about it with the children, these little characters act it out. And then the children can, in your classroom, you say, okay, well, what do you think about that? And then the children will will just comment on what they've just seen. But in the meantime, they're experiencing these different people who are their classroom so um, one 
one year when I was teaching a multi-age K-1-2 classroom, um, there was a uh, action in our in our city where people were burning things and homes were being destroyed. Um, and some of the children in my classroom actually had parents who had witnessed it, so it was being discussed in the class in in their homes. And I knew that that it was scary for for the children, and they would come in and talk about it. And so, and it was on TV too, right? On TV, yes. And so, I had to figure out a way to engage the children in the story in a way that would reduce their fear. So there was, and and again, with the dolls that's so wonderful is you keep kind of a a stockpile of dolls that you haven't used yet in case you need something Ah. new. So I said that there was going to be a new girl coming into the classroom for these children because her home had been destroyed in the fire. And then I talked about who she was and what school she came from and who she was living with. And and I said, and now she's living with... um, you know, I don't know, an aunt or an uncle or something in another part of town, uh-huh. and she was in the school, and and every week, I would bring back the story of this child. So, what's happening with her this week? You know, oh, she's making new friends, and she's happy, but she's hoping that she and her family can get a new place to live, and they're going to visit houses, and, you know, we, I just kind of moved her through <coughs> would be happening to a lot of these children right and then um and you know and one night maybe she was afraid because she heard a siren and she thought maybe there was another fire and we could talk have a conversation about sirens or did you did anybody else ever hear a, si- a siren and you know did that make you so it's like you can bring in tangential kinds of conversations of course anyway at the very end of, of time went by and then uh, at the very end of this story, the city had built new housing for people who had lost their homes in the fires. And a lot of the people who had been fighting with each other had found ways to come together and talk about some of their problems. And then this child moved into her new house and we got to talk about that. So it... Um, it's just such a lovely way to um, bring in all the issues we talk about that are social emotional, but it's also cultural and it's also historical and it's also personal and it's also, you know, an extension of just the normal, you know, well, she talking about maybe what's going on on the playground that people are afraid of her because she's new and they don't know her. You ever felt like that, you know, just day to day kinds of, And I can see how that would be so valuable, not only for the kids who are directly impacted by those traumatic events, but also by the kids who are not. And they can, their empathy can be exercised and um, developed by the fact that they, they are just witness to what these other kids are experiencing without having it being, as you say, you know, pushed into their faces, but just witnessing yeah, it's a very child-friendly approach. Mm-hmm. With something that is appropriate for the child's life and you relate it to them. And again, as we started out with the conversation, it's all done with the idea that we're building relationships. Yes. We're learning how to 
listen to one another and to share ideas and be respectful and all of those other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where I sort of lost the thread with the, the little baby dolls that you had. How did that connect to all of this? Well, I, I just think it's a, as a, as an educator, I, I see that the environment that I create in a classroom is kind of the third teacher, you know, which is, yes. I think Reggio talks about that. I think Montessori talks about that that the preparation that we give the environment in which we teach young children is so important. And so in, in building this center where the children would be playing with babies, Ah. it was very important for me to get it right. You know, it was not a possibility that I was going to get one doll and the doll was going to be white. Okay. children were white that I felt two things one we did have diversity so I wanted to reflect the diversity of the children that we had but I also was aware in my mistake or what I might perceived as my mistake is that there was an advantage to having white children not have the white doll be available to them and that was something that just kind of flipped my perspective around which which as painful as as this work is and I think it is very important for the adults to be open to this kind of learning because how in the world can we expect children to be doing this if we're not doing that ourselves? Right. Um, but it, it was a real eye-opener for me. And, um, and it, it made me realize just many, many things, like in terms of just examining my own friendships and people that I spend most of my time with during the day and... and um, how limiting we can be in terms of, especially when we choose where we're going to live, you know, Um, just things like that. Yeah. And so we started out talking about kindness and how that expanded into a a broader perspective of more inclusion and anything. Do you want to tie this all together for us now with everything that you've shared with us? Yes. I think that, um, well, certainly in the years that I've been a teacher, I started teaching in 1973, um, that the idea of working with young children and talking about kindness to me was kind of like the center of concentric circles mm. that um, people would kind of start with. How do we teach children to be kind to one another? And now I think that as educators, we see that as broadening, that it's more than just how to be kind to one another, but how to see one another, mm. how to see who, who, how differences affect us, and to be aware that our perspective is not necessarily the same as another. Um, and for children, maybe even the way people look is a good thing, because it does it's a very clear markation of how different someone else is and gives us the opportunity to, to bring that into the conversation just about all the differences that we have as individuals. You know? Alongside all the similarities. Yes, yes, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, Does that make sense? Oh, I, yes. Thank you. I, I knew you wouldn't disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I just have one more question. Um, let's see. I think I have this. Um, 
how would you rate four-year-olds, five-year-olds, and six-year-olds' capacity and willingness to examine and address those big challenging areas of human interactions? Well, first of all, I find (laughs) young children to be extraordinarily honest and forthright and 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 uh, thoughtful and and um, spontaneous in their emotions, you know, very they're very fluid, and so it it's if we don't overwhelm them with too many adult um, aspects of things, uh-huh. if we keep it to their level, if if we make it play, if we make it a, a book that is something that's not too far you know, away from where they are sure. to, to really look at the, the materials that we offer that are just that right stretch or just that right, you know, conflict that they can digest and talk about, or just that right conversation that you have with the child about pointing something out. Um, and, you know, and it's all a learning. I think the more you work with children that age, the the more you can you can tell you know what right. your what your groundwork is that's going to work for children that age but uh-huh. i i have to say i find them quite quite extraordinary in terms of what they're able to see what they're able know. to see and process and yeah. and be open to and teach us and teach us absolutely if we'll listen and give them some time and not rush because the con- they'll see things we don't absolutely see. oh gosh yeah yeah you know i just had this thought i just now had this thought that are you on the uh the facebook page for the uh big picture learning uh big picture social emotion- right the big picture social emotional learning podcast facebook page are you on that right now no but i mean oh I don't know. Anyway, if you went on there and if people had questions, they could just ask you directly. Oh, okay. Well, we certainly could set that up if I'm not on Good. there, I guess. Um, it's just so easy. You don't even have to, it's not even, you just have to okay. like it. Okay. And then I, I, I think that's a way to build our community of people that mm. really want to think about and share ideas with other educators who want to go beyond the normal, you know, mandated curriculum to really help our, the youth, the the little ones become thinkers and connected with each other. I feel, I really agree with you. I I do share a lot with, uh, with other educators through Facebook. I think it's a great medium. Someone can ask a question and then other people can jump in and some quite wonderful discussions happen through that. Absolutely. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, then that's how we'll conclude for now. All right. Oh, Wendy, thank you again. All right. All right. All right. Bye. Did this spark some thoughts for you? Raise more questions and answers? Would you like to share some experiences with other educator listeners? I hope so. Please connect with all of us on the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast Facebook page. We've got a lot of growing to do together. Thanks for being here. Till next time.